Hey, my name is Alex, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio. And thanks to everybody who listened to my last episode on Iria, the animation. I know that was a weird one. I know that some of you probably who are listening to this have A, never heard of that show, and B, didn't listen to anything about that show. But if you're looking for a more popular episode to listen to, you can go either to the one before that, which was about Seven Deadly Sins, or the one before that, or the one two before that, which was about Black Clover. Which the one, uh, let's call it five before that, actually about Black Clover. Um, also, I was gonna say something else here. Then I was listening to Waypoint Radio um, from Austin Walker, formerly of Giant Bomb, now of Waypoint, which is Vice's like video game arm basically and they just went down a rabbit hole of how Trader Joe's was owned by a former Nazi at some point and I just like I just kind of my brain was like holy shit (laughs) um because I shop at Trader Joe's (laughs) um also not a fan of Nazis I'm kind of a I'm what I like to refer to as affirmative action man, which means I check all the boxes, which also means that the Nazis would probably kill me and mummify me as an example of what to look for in killable humans. But moving on from less depressing topics, since I, as many people on the East Coast, are trapped inside for the, at least the night because of snow, um... Thank you for giving me an opportunity to do something between in the time between normal human hours and 12 o'clock when the new Pokemon game comes out and I can finally play it because I, I'm a degenerate um, who loves me some Pokemon. Um, I'll eventually talk about that on this show, but I can't, I can't figure out quite how, how to make that happen. But we're not here to talk about Pokemon or my irrational love for it, or my theory of how Ash is Gary's uncle. Um, we'll get to that. We'll get to that at some point. I promise. <laughs> but tonight we're here to talk about a little odd show that I ran into, resisted, and then ran into again. And that show is Gotcha Man Crowds. Come in blue, it's what I made a sugar foot inside. You know, the damn devil, yeah, 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 oh, my time about it. No sad use, shut tight, you might have not inside. So God, I truly doubt it, yeah, 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 oh, no, I'm not here.
when I was a kid, before I kind of knew what anime was, in those sweet, sweet, innocent child years, I often would watch a number of shows on TV, some of which I was super enamored with. Um, Tom and Jerry was an early favorite. But some of which I, t- I liked, but I struggled with. Um, and I would later come to find out that, that, that those shows were old anime from the late 80s, early... From the late 80s, early... Um, from the late 80s and 70s. Things like... Um, Thundercats. And... Well, not specifically Thundercats. Thundercats is more of a American-ish show. Um, Thundercats. Uh, shows like Space Ghost were also of its ilk. Um, and then there was... What's, what was the other one? Oh, like, th- things like Voltron. Like I, I, Voltron occurred at my faith. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. But it's got a whole narrative, and I'm always coming in the middle. And one of these shows was a show that would later be known as Gotcha Man, more formally. But I, f- I think it was called, like, like Planet Defenders or something when, it, when, I, when I first watched it, when it first happened at my eyeballs. And it was always really interesting, but it was always felt like I was in the middle of a story. And it was really grand and sweeping and epic. And, and over time, when I was an when I became an anime fan, I recognized like, oh, that was like a late seventies anime. That's what that was. And I never revisited it because I had a clear enough memory to be like, ah, eh, not really my thing. Swooping space adventures and all. I've I've always been someone who likes anime that are more not necessarily grounded, but more involved with their narrative than just save the universe or become the Hokage or any of those other things. Not that those aren't great, and not that I don't like aspects of those shows. I love aspects of those shows. But I... The anime I really respond to is stuff that makes not only me think, but anybody who watches it think about what that show is trying to say. And sometimes those shows end up being fantastic, like Paranoia Agent, something I've done an episode on in this podcast that you can go check out in the feed somewhere. Uh, Or something that didn't do such a great job but had noble ambitions and greater ambitions than just you watching a cartoon week to week on Crunchyroll. Uh, was a show called um, Terran Resonance, which I don't think I've talked about on the show, but if I haven't, I might, I might end up doing it because that's that's another, that's another weird gem um, from the that was actually written as a kind of warning to the hard right political universe in Japan by um, the writer-director of Cowboy Bebop. Um, but, this show is... It... Gotcha Man Crowds, I should say, is 
trying to say something more universal. It's trying to say something more. Um, what's the best word for it? It's trying to. It's trying to push, not just like progressivism or like it's not trying. It's not trying to push back from either side. It's against either side. It's trying to help not only Japan, but especially Japan in many cases, but anyone who watches it identify kind of flaws in the universe. Um, the first season focuses around this social network, and it focuses specifically kind of around the warping of the world of reality via social networks, and what and what the separation of people's lives on the internet and people's lives in reality does to everyday everything. And it's kind of vehicle of delivery and its character is a character named Hajime Ichinose, who... And... So the first Gacha Man, um, I think it was called, like, bat, like Planet Battle or something had very iconic but very not uninspired but un largely uncreative designs it had kind of sentai it had this these kind of sentai 70s designs combined with like a bird aesthetic and they keep that bird aesthetic in name kind of only in Gotcha Man crowds and but what they focus on is they focus on the characters have these have their default like human character looks and then they have this like armored look and what's really fascinating about Gotcha Man's character design and aesthetic is it has this it, lots of anime is made with its style. With its style is meant to be inherently like cutesy or like it. Like you look at a character, and you're like, oh, that's the one you're gonna buy a figure of, that they're gonna try and sell you figures of. And this show has that in spades. I have a figure. I have a Nendroid of. Um, Hajime, and it's a fabulous little thing. But more than that, it has this overarching, like, uh, almost Yuasa esque style to it. It's got this style that feels super flat, but at the same time, really, like, informs you about dimension and size really at a glance and it's really it's really it's really inspired it's a really inspired looking show they there's there is no doubt that the people who do all the character designs and do all the art for this show are like they're at the top of their game with this thing, and it's really fantastic. It's just—it's a fantastic thing to look at constantly, and none is—and no character is a better 
kind of display of that than the main character, Hajime, which is why I really talk about it now. And Hajime is, like, her the best way I could describe her character design is it's like a, it's almost like a fetish character design, just knock down a couple notches to make it like, but what if this was a real person? Because she is, like, tremendously top-heavy, but they never, aside from a few, like, sight gags, they never call attention to that. It's just her character. And as somebody who draws basically every day, I can appreciate the fact that whoever made this character was just like, I just made her with big boobs. There's nothing to read into there. Move past it. And I, I really... I, so that's really interesting in that this show doesn't take that easy... It doesn't take that easy way out even though it's clearly there. Um, and also, it, Hajime is probably the only, like, large-chested character you see in the show. Um, which, uh, it, it wouldn't be odd if you saw another character with a large chest. It's just, it's not like, um, and I'm gonna come back to the show until I freaking finish it because the show freaking perplexes me. I'm gonna have to do a podcast about it at some point because it perplexes me so hard. It's not like, um, that show Horizon in the Middle of Nowhere where, they're just like some characters who are, some female characters who are flat of the board because that's a fetish, and some characters who are like, I, they have these bolt-ons that like they can't see their toes, they, they can't see past to their toes with on their chest because that's a fetish. It's this, the people who did the character line on this show strive to make each character extremely each character who is a main each like main and side character extremely unique to themselves. Hajime has the way she dresses, has the way she acts, has the way she holds herself and it's distinct from every other character. In fact so distinct that she as a character is like seen as being kind of not just kind of but like actively crazy to most characters. She is seen she's seen as like being constantly off her rocker. Which um and it's, it's going to be an odd one because I'm doing both seasons. Um but I'm doing both seasons kind of in conjunction with each other. Because I want to talk about the whole show. Um, but the characters are all made to be pretty unique. You have um, Hajime. You have Joe. Um, you have Suga you have Sugane. You have Odie. And, um... You have Utsu Utsu, who is this um, 
like kind of um and so like you you have all these you have all these different character lines all these different like ways that gotcha man can be and the way that um the person who unites them is this character that they call JJ and JJ or JJ Robinson I think is actually his real is his real name according to the Wikipedia page I have up because I got fancy and got another monitor so I can keep Wikipedia open and podcast at the same time look at me um but they all JJ is kind of like their quest he's introduced as their quest giver so to speak so what happens is they get summoned to um they get summoned to like a not like basically another dimension where they sit on fancy pillows and he gives them like a secret like riddle thing that they have to figure out and that informs them of their mission. But what's interesting is that they like he, he doesn't hold their hand and they're left to interpret it the way that they see fit. And their job as gotcha men is to defend the earth against anything, what have you. Now, in the first season, kind of running parallel to this, is this really fun-looking um, social network called Galax. And the closest thing I can think of to Galax in reality, and it's actually pretty close, is a social media kind of game network from um, that company from Navier that people make Line, and it's called Line Play. If you're wondering what Galax is kind of functions like, that's the best I can suggest, because Galax did not, unfortunately, exist in reality. But, um, the look, the look and feel of Galax is like this, you design an avatar and you hang out in this virtual town and you talk to people. But what it's also doing is it's also feeding into the not the main antagonist of this show, but the kind of false antagonist of this show's like secret plan to create these things called crowds. And that's why you get the name Gotcha Man Crowds. And crowds are like the like digital avatars made real and giant in the world and the crowds are ultimately like spell the end of humanity but then human humans use their crowds which is basically it's they are like social media giants created out of the each person's will to ultimately save the day and you learn that the character the false antagonist Rui is was manipulated by a character named Bird Kate and Bird Kate is this 
deeply bizarre, insane asshole who is unlike anybody else in the show. You have, um, the, you have, like, JJ, you have JJ, who is this, like, mystic quest giver guy who gives everybody their notes, which are the magical little notebooks that they use to transform into gotcha men, basically. Think, um, think a fancy moleskin with, like, a fancy design on the front that acts as kind of a transforming mechanism, acts as kind of a communicator from, um, Power Rangers, almost. But, so, everybody gets their notes from JJ, except for Rui, who has hers pulled out by, um, Bird Kase, who is this intergalactic psycho who just wants to, like, fuck everything up and have a good time. But, even he, by the end of that first season, and once again, I'm not going into, like, the massive detail of this show because, A, I saw the first season a while ago. I just finished the second season. But, um, it's, uh, it's not necessarily about the details. It's about what they're trying to convey. And in the first season, the show is trying to convey the pluses and minuses and does a great job of living in a world where, that is heavily influenced by a, like a second layer of reality almost. So, for example, and this is just an example, when, I, when the President of America tweets something now, he could send the stock market flying off a cliff. That's a real possibility. Probably, if it hadn't already happened, I wouldn't be surprised if it did soon. Because his, it's now Twitter, basically, influences the world. The, 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 the actual, actual real life. It used to be that Twitter was just kind of a place that people said racist shit on. But now, and all, not just racist shit, but people said shit on. But now, because it is the President of the United States' preferred form of communication, it, we see his tweets on the nightly news. And this is, this is a, the first season's kind of an exploration of that idea. And what makes this show really interesting, but also I should state that it has a great portrayal, not necessarily of a, I don't think she trans, I don't want to use the word trans and it not be right, but Rui, the like false antagonist of the first season, is made vulnerable because she is because at her core she identifies as a woman but is a man um and that vulnerability opens her up to like suggestion from Bird Kase and Bird Kase takes advantage of that but ultimately Rui 
steals control of the crowds from Bird Cafe, and they are like her basically her gift to humanity. And then there's season two. Now, what's interesting, what's really interesting to me about um th- about this show particularly is just because something happened in like one season or one episode doesn't mean that and was seemingly resolved in a positive way doesn't mean that actual thing goes away so the crowds that were introduced at the very end of the first season are your lead-in to the second season and in the second season you have um oh and before I forget the thing I wanted to <laughs> also say is whether or not they are great representation of gay characters this show has a gay character it has um it has characters identifying as other as other than kind of everything, which is really interesting because, yes, um, O.D. is kind of this, he's more than kind of, he is a stereotype of what a gay character could be. Um, Rui is this very confident, confident young person who dresses as a woman. And it's it's very it's kind of fascinating to see that portrayal handled so well in a show, and but while also admitting, like, hey, society says this is weird, and this is what happens to people when they're constantly told they're weird, and they. They resolve that really well. But then you go into season two and the crowds haven't disappeared. In fact, everybody's now using the crowds. So people are using the crowds to do things like charity work or um, clean up public parks or clean up graffiti or all sorts of things. And then there's a character who says, um, there's the kind of false antagonist of this of this season is this character. I forget his name. He's got, like, red hair. But he says, like, you know, humanity isn't ready for this. And he organizes a, like, kind of terrorist, organiza- a terrorist organization called, I shit you not, Vape. V-A-P-E. <laughs> like, just the shittiest name they could come up with, which is kind of perfect. And he basically says, like, humanity isn't ready for the crowds. To prove it, to prove it, I'm going, I'm going to be a, what he referred to as a violent pacifist. And he all but kills Rui. Demonstrating that the crowds can be, like, turned against the common good. And he manip- and he manipulates them. And ultimately gets her to turn the crowds off because 
she, she they're technology they're technology basically she can turn them on or off and while this is happening you introduce to the newest recruit a girl named Subasa who has a really hard and fast sense of justice and you're, and you're also introduced to this character named Gel and Gel is an alien from outer space this is the kind of show where that shit can happen and it's just like okay we're doing this now um, but Gel has a really unique ability. He has the ability to create these weird little speech bubbles above everybody's head, almost like thought bubbles, but they have little mouths in them that are smiling, and based on their shape and color, he can tell how, how they're feeling. And the shapes look like surprise bubbles to thought bubbles, or and the colors range from like black to yellow, and the scale of colors in between that. And because of the incidents with the red crowds, which are the ones that Vape used to prove that crowds weren't useful, the prime minister of this country who's previously said like who is involved in the tail end of the story in the first season has decided to step down and as a way to prove that the crowds are things people want in their lives he wants to basically force an election in which people vote on that issue and the Gel has, like, now, like, done this speech bubble thing to a bunch of people, and he has helped fight the crowds, and he has, like, but the thing, the other thing that Gel can do is he can take all of those speech bubbles in, and he can read people's minds. He can take all of that into, into his own self. But the but you get a kind of glimpse at what's going to happen because it's very clear that Gel, not just because he's an alien, but because he's a young kid, basically, lacks the kind of nuance to interpret all of that. He just hears all these thoughts and says, okay, that's the loudest one, go with that one. And so he, but him and Tsubasa become like fast friends and Tsubasa is under the, is under the kind of wing of Hajime. And Hajime has continued to be this wacky, bizarre, nonsensical, very indirect kind of character in the show. And there's a point at the point at which Gel and Tsubasa are talking about trying to get rid of conflict because conflict seems to be the problem. With seems to be the reason that the red crowds occurred at all. And Hajime says, you know, that's not wrong, but that's not really what needs to happen. Conflict 
conflict isn't good and it isn't but it isn't bad it just is and Subasa, who has a very black who is revealed at this point has a very has a pretty black and white sense of justice and Gel who just doesn't get the kind of non-binary assessment there are very confused by this. And so Gel tries to kind of constantly think uh, how he could make somebody happy. How, how he could make everyone on Earth happy. Or in the country happy. At once. Um, which is a hard task. At the same time, they are going on this TV show. And the kind of like reality TV talk show host who's this kind of like... He's almost like Squirms McKenzie from that episode of Futurama where they go to the soda factory and it's disgusting. Um, he puts them on more and more because the audience seems to like them all the time and eventually they become kind of regulars and Gail says... I'm going to run for Prime Minister because all you have to do to run for Prime Minister is um, throw your hat in the ring and then everybody can, in, the, in this show's election can vote on their smartphone. And that's a really important that's a really important factor because it means that everybody of voting age can vote anywhere at any time without having to go to a polling place. They eliminate the kind of, like, conversation around voting as a issue. They just give everybody the ability to vote on their smartphone. Through, through I believe, Galax, which is also interesting. But, uh, and up until that point, the original Prime Minister was winning. And... Uh, they, um, th one of the main character, one of the gotcha men, guy named, um, I forget his name, um, a guy with green hair, the guy, the one with green hair, um, basically says, you know, Nobody's really doing what they... Nobody's really thinking for themselves. Everybody's just kind of going with the flow. And he honestly believes that the crowds are dangerous. So does Tsubasa. And... Gel has this feeling that they're dangerous too. They all team up and they win the election. Now here's, here's another interesting thing. This, this show isn't afraid to go to like pose a question of a what-if question, and then answer it as honestly as possible, and continue down the, like, intellectual hole that it creates for itself. And the way Gel does this is by using his, like, speech bubble ability and constantly absorbing them all the time. And he goes with the consensus, so he vaguely ensures the that he wins the more people he meets. Um, along with some 
clever campaigning from the green-haired gotcha man guy. But then he wins. And then he starts governing. And Hajime is very wary of all of this the entire time. Pai Pai, who is their, like, who is their quote-unquote leader, he's, he's this, like, little panda guy who issues orders, but who issues orders directly from JJ, but nobody takes him really seriously. Mostly just wants it to be good because he wants to be able to claim credit for it. <laughs> but you eventually... You eventually start to notice what Hajime started to what Hajime noticed immediately, in that Gel doesn't just want to make everybody happy. He wants to make everyone. He wants to achieve like a hive mind almost. He um. What he wants he wants everyone to be kind of one of us, one of us ish. And he pushes himself too hard because he, he doesn't really know what he wants because he isn't doing what he believes is best. He's doing what he believes is best based on what tons of people believe is best. But every but everyone believes a that he knows what he's doing, b that whatever he decides is best. So it creates this kind of feedback loop for him. And he gets kind of sick. Subasa notices it, asks him. And the entire time, I should say, Subasa is his kind of doting cheerleader who just says, like, Gel knows what he's doing. Gel is a great prime minister. He's solving all the problems. What do you want? He's like, she literally, she literally at one point quits the gotcha men because. She believes that what Gel is doing is right, and what the Gotcha Men are saying, he's doing it, uh, or what are saying about it is wrong. And she's so convinced of this, until, until until there's no turning back, basically. And then Gel starts throwing up people's thought bubbles, and all of a sudden, people's thought bubbles rush back to them. And then they turn a color they've never turned before. And that color they and the color they turn is purple. And these things come out of the thought bubble's mouths. These things are, come to be called coups. And coups are like evil emotional support like emotional support things, creatures. They like cuddle you and make you feel safe and tell you everything's okay and they lull you into complacency until you maybe have some thoughts about everything's not okay in a way that the coup can't kind of quell and then the coup eat you alive they devour you whole and they're like, so the best way I can describe the designs for the coups is, you know those like fucked up stuffed animals from um, Bleach? Those characters? They have the same kind of like 
kind of cute, but kind, but definitely not super cute aesthetic as though as those like soul candy fed characters. But um, the uh, so what ha what becomes clear is that the coups aren't. The coups are a hive mind, basically. They are reacting to the atmosphere, and the or they, they're they're reacting to the mood of the room. Uh, if the if you think of the country of the room, they're reacting to the mood of the room. And Subasa hasn't caught on to this, but there are two people in this show who have thought bubbles that are white. And that's because they're constantly thinking. They're, and the show said that's because they think differently. But you come to learn that that they're thinking more in a more complex way. And they're thinking in a way that only they can and not anybody else does. That Those characters are, at first it's Hajime and the green-haired Gachiman, her, her teammate, says, You know, you're weird. And why is your speech bubble always a weird color? I don't get you. And she's like, eh, whatever. And then you meet, in the show, you meet Tsubasa's grandfather. And Tsubasa's grandfather says, like, at first when Tsubasa becomes a gotcha man, he goes, you're not ready. If you go with them, I won't help, I won't, like, help you with your breathing exercises, I won't talk to you anymore. She goes with them regardless. And everybody thinks he's this, like, crazy, jealous old man. And then he tells this story about World War II from a Japanese perspective that lets you know entirely where the show sits on this issue and on the issue of the opinion of the masses. He he tells this story about his brother or, or Subasa's great or Subasa's great uncle. And he goes, you know, I saw a or basically he says, I saw a country whipped into a frenzy and move and moved to war that we couldn't possibly win. I saw people die for nothing because the the winds turned that way. I will never take part in that ever again. And over time, Tsubasa began to realize that she's been susceptible to this, that she's been... that she, and that... There is no problem with following the leader as long as you are really making the decision. If the first person to follow the leader is following them, the second person to follow that person who's following the leader is following a whole different thing. And... It, it, so, at this point, the kind of air of the, the kind of air, the mood of the room of the country had turned 
against Gel, and the coups basically try to hunt down and murder Gel. And they enact this... But because... That kind of... Peer-pressured hive mind is a really hard thing to... Move people out of? It doesn't... What's the best word for it? It doesn't... It, it It's not like... It's not like it can it can be dealt with easily. It's not like you can sit somebody down and you can say, you know, you're just... It's not like you can sit somebody down and you can ask them, do you really believe this? Or do you believe this because someone told you to believe this? It's the same, it's the same as something... Um... It's the same as... What's the best way to put it? It's the same as trying to convince somebody of a political belief that that could be their belief or that could not be their belief. And, or it's the same as trying, if we want to be simple about it, it's the same as questioning whether or not something is actually really cool. Like, when, when you're a kid and you genuinely, I'll use myself, I'll use my own weirdness in this. When someone asked me why I like Pokemon or if I really like Pokemon I say yes I've considered it and I like I'm there for it but the thing is is I'm not there for all of it I'm there for the parts I like I'm very happy about let's go coming out this could be fun as hell but I'm not there for the parts I don't like I tried Pokemon quest and like not a fan uh, because I'm making conscious decisions of my own accord and they're considered ones. I don't need to justify them. I just, I just need to know that they are truly considered. Um, it's the, it's the same way with popular anime and popular shows. Lots of people watch shows sometimes because they're popular, not because they truly like them. And now they may grow to like them, but what gets you to watch something in the first place is that it's this popular thing. It's, um, it's basically as simple as that. So, the coups, that popularity index turns against Gel, and the Gachaman see that if, if the coups get and murder the shit out of Gel, it's never gonna stop. The cycle's gonna keep going, the mood in the room will turn towards another thing, another person, another something, and it will be wiped out. Until there's nothing left to support the mood. And that's a problem because that's not a way to live at all. It's a way that an entire planet can fall to ruin. But what they do is, what Hajime, specifically, and it's important that Hajime decides to do, is basically take everybody to school. In that she sets up an elaborate plan. It's important that the show shows you this plan and doesn't just tell you that it happened. 
it, 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 it does very well what Ocean's Eleven does very well. What, what the Ocean's movies do, do very well. In that it sets up one plan and it looks one way. And then it says, well, you know what happened another way? And then it shows you that. So you get the complete arc of the lesson. That it's, that, not Ocean's, not the Ocean's movie they're trying to tell you, of the thing that Hajime and ultimately the gotcha men are trying to teach the citizens of Japan and ultimately the world. And that lesson is, you know, there's real hard consequences to people's choices and people's beliefs and you don't always know those consequences. For example, for example, and I'm going to use a political example because this show is inherently a political show, so it makes sense to use a political example. Right now, in America, the government is not really, fr isn't just not friendly, but wants to refuse all immigrants outright. But, there's a consequence to that. That consequence is that the jobs that are usually held by immigrants, which are all the jobs that help keep the blood flowing through the country, so to speak, are not getting filled. Now, to, now to give you one very simple example of that, uh, restaurant staff is largely un-American because the kind of work ethic a like American an American white boy or American any boy like me has just doesn't jive with a kitchen very easily and I, there's just too much pomp and circumstance to us and we don't want to do the kind of like down and dirty labor that is required to like make somebody else's food we're willing to do that for us but not necessarily for other people uh, this is similar to the idea i i probably said on this podcast i was a freelance graphic designer for many years and i made a decent living but the part of the reason i made a decent living was because i was willing to do the kinds of things that most other graphic designers of my skill level and talent level weren't willing to do because they saw it as beneath them. But if nobody does those jobs, then they don't get done. Then the signage doesn't get made. The burrito doesn't get delivered. All of those things don't happen. Uh, another example that you might not have thought of is Many, many, many landscaping crews across the country are having a hard time like finding people to work for them because the majority of their workforce comes from Mexico. <laughs> I mean, a Mexican gardener is a very tried and true stereotype. 
And that's for a reason. Lots of Mexican day workers work on landscaping crews. But those landscaping crews aren't, can't find people. Now, what's interesting is Trump, Trump's staff, Trump the president, the head of the government, his landscaping crews are fine. But that's because he gets who he needs before anybody else does. So he gets to maintain the illusion while everyone else suffers. Now, does a Republican, so the person who votes a straight Republican um, ticket think about that when they're voting? Do they think, I won't be able, my lawn won't get mowed in six months because there'll be no one to mow it? Or I'll have to mow it myself? No, they don't. They think, you know, immigrants are coming in here from Mexico and taking our jobs. They're not taking our jobs. They're taking the jobs nobody wants. They're working the fast food kitchens. They're, you know, mowing lawns. They're doing all the hard things that make things happen. That's the consequence of someone's belief. And they largely have those beliefs because they're following the crowd. Now, the kind of play on words to this is Gotcha Man Crowds is about the is largely about the first season is largely about the actions of the crowd as a player in the universe. The second season, Gotcha Man Crowds Insights, is about how an insight into what that crowd is thinking can guide it even more astray if it's not if it's not very carefully and meticulously handled at every level. Now, the, like I said, this show, one of this show's strong points is its problems don't go away. So, when Hajime takes everybody on this, like, magic school bus ride of consequences, of what consequences are, um, she, she A, almost dies, B, the country recovers and learns a temporary lesson, and learns what feels like a very temporary lesson about what, like, crap, what, like hive mind thinking can do to can do to them as a people and what hive mind thinking can turn them into which is essentially like a murderous mob what mob mentality can basically do um but then you're treated to a, a scene of the coups playing a soccer match against a couple crowds and you realize that the bad thing from the begin from the first season and the bad thing from the second season still exist. And that's because there are always going to people be people who are persuadable and there are always going to be people who like 
try to will things to happen through social media. It's just a fact of life. And the goal isn't... The goal of the gotcha men and the goal of people who want to help the universe shouldn't be to eliminate anything. It should be to make it work in the best way possible. There is a definite need for a kind of comforting, warm, hug mentality to happen. There's also a definite need for, like, people to be able to use social media to accomplish great things. It's just when those things are run out of control or in the or are in the wrong hands or worse yet misinformed hands that they cause real lasting damage and i know this all seems this has all been really high and lofty but also this show is a ton of fun <laughs> just from its character designs the dub is really excellent the sub title version, the original Japanese dub is okay, but the, I really like the American dub that, that, that you can go watch on High Dive. Yes, that's right. I finally did it. I successfully watched something on High Dive and talked about it on this show. I feel so proud of myself, and I go to the gym quasi three times a week now, so that's saying something. But, um, that said... If you liked this episode, which I hope you did, I did it on a less obscure cartoon than Iria the Animation. <laughs> um, please definitely um, check out the link in the description of this episode to go subscribe on your podcast app of choice. And while you're there, while you're in your podcast app of choice, you can leave me a five-star rating. Um, you can also tell your friends about me or about my podcast. You can be like, hey, there's this weird dude who talks about cool Japanese cartoons on the internet. He's got a podcast. Um, and with all that said, I've been Alex. Radio. Talk to you next time.
Good job. 